0: This morning I want to just set a little bit of the um, timeline of what's going on when I, we're going to be looking at the book of Ezekiel. And at the time, at this time before, um, this is, I'm, going to, I'm going to just lead you right up to what's taking place with, is in Ezekiel's life. I want you to see the, this picture because I want you see the divided kingdom. After Solomon was king, his, his, his kingdom was torn apart. There was Judah. And then there was Israel, the the purple and then the more red. And the two were divided at this point. And this was probably right around 931 B.C. Samaria and the ten tribes were of the north. And then then Jerusalem and the two tribes were on the south. And Solomon's wickedness had divided the kingdom. The Assyrians had uh, captured the northern kingdom around 722 B.C. And then... During this time, we noted this is called the Babylonian captivity. Israel and Jerusalem was, was captured in around 586 BC, and the people were taken to Babylon. And it was in, it's in this place now in Babylon where we get the story of what's taking place with Ezekiel. Ezekiel's name means God is strength, God will strengthen. The last half of his name is in the, Greek, in the Hebrew is Kazakh. And rock Kazakh is, that, is what God told Joshua. He says, Be strong and courageous. So Ezekiel's name is that same word about strength. It's like, make, like making it iron. He was from the tribe of Levi. He would have served as a priest at age 30. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're all contemporaries of his. So here over in Babylon, you've already got some that have been taken away. We've got Daniel and we've got the the three Hebrew children. And then we've got Ezekiel who comes over a little bit later. And now they're all there. Now, I want you to know this, that God is a multitasker. See, he was already awakening the spirit of Daniel. He was already awakening the, the spirit of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before Ezekiel even got there. But the thing that I thought was interesting is everything that these people had known religiously was destroyed. Their place of worship, gone. The Ark of the Covenant, gone. And so here in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, we, we see this story unfolding and I want you to I want you to be able to grasp the, the, the historic part of this and then also what's going on with them so you can see the gravity of what's what's going on in their lives. Everything that they knew religiously was gone. The temple where they worshipped had been obliterated. Now here they find themselves in a foreign land, and we pick up the story in Ezekiel chapter one, verse one. In the thirteenth year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kebar River, the, the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. And the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the prophet, the son of Buzi, by the Kebar River in the land of the Babylonians. And there the hand of the Lord was upon him. Now I want you to understand this morning that God comes into... The Holy Spirit comes into our life at new birth. And that is for you. But he... He comes upon you... For others. So he's in you... To do a work in you... But he's upon you... So that you can do a work for others. Ezekiel's ordination day... Was 30 years old. See... What's happening here is you're beginning to see the picture. Ezekiel was supposed to be sitting in his priestly gown. He was supposed to be at the temple. And instead, he's in another land, a foreign place, without any of the things that would have made him comfortable. See, notice where they're sitting. They were sitting by the Kabar River. They don't have a temple, they don't have a church, they don't, they're camped out by a river. The, act, the word kabar actually means canal. This was a canal offshoot of the Euphrates River. Some scholars have suggested that this was their labor, that they had actually, the Israelites were the ones that actually dug this trench. I don't know about that, but it, would, it, would not, it wouldn't surprise me. We need to plant ourselves next to the river. It may be a time of mourning. It may be a time of refreshing. It it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, wherever you're at in your life right now, you need to plant yourself if it's a desert that you're in, if you're in a valley, if everything around you is green. It doesn't matter where you're at. You need to plant yourself next to the Holy Spirit, next to the river of God. Israel is a type of the church. And God was using this example for us today. See, I'm sure that Ezekiel thought to himself, Man, my ordination day should have looked a lot different than this. Some of you have moved away from organized religion. You maybe even denominations, maybe even the organization of the church in a in sense. But what I'm telling you this morning is I want you to move close to the river. Don't worry about all those things. Plant yourself next to where God's at. See, I don't care if you've been uprooted and moved. See, Pleasant Valley, see, we, we kind of look at this whole situation like it feels a little bit unstable. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. But God's saying, listen, in the midst of everything that's going on, what I want you to do is get yourself next to me don't worry about all those religious things that that you thought you had to have what you need is me what you desire in your heart is me nothing else will satisfy see today in the world The financial markets, our retirement, all these things. Some of us are living in our parents' house. Some of us are are just going through struggles. What we need to understand is everything around us is going to eventually fall. I'm forecasting it for you. The end looks like this world is not going to be what it is today. And Ezekiel sat among the people. He saw the situation. He saw their sadness. He saw their sorrow. And in, in Psalms 137.1, he says, We sat down by the rivers in Babylon. And we wept when we remembered Zion. Some of you even today are going, You know, I remember what it used to be like. <laughs> I want to go back there, Lord. I remember how it used to be. It was a lot easier. Yeah, it was. But just like Ezekiel, when we get ourselves planted next to the spring of God, the river of God that's flowing, that canal of God, the water represents the Holy Spirit. So Ezekiel, in chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I came to the exiles who lived at Tel Aviv near the Kabar River, and there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, deeply distressed. Some translations say overwhelmed, overwhelmed dumbfounded. He saw the state of the people lost, empty, exiled, and distressed. Now, I want you to understand today, is that Ezekiel, he did not have to go and plant himself there. Because he was a priest, he had a home, he had a wife, he, could, he was better off than the, the average person. But he cut himself off, and he went and sat among The people. He planted himself. And for seven days he didn't say a word. Sometimes, you know what guys? Sometimes we want to give a word. Sometimes we want to give our opinion. Sometimes we want to say something. And sometimes we're better off just being silent ezekiel said it here here's where we begin in ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 he said to me son of man stand up on your feet and i will speak to you as he spoke the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and i heard him speaking to me and he said son of man i am sending you to the israelites to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me they and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you to are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid through briars or thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. You must speak my words to them whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. He says that a lot, doesn't he? But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like the rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me, and in it was a scroll. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll, then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So I ate. Now, first of all, I want you to know right now, if God puts... A scroll in front of me. I'm going to have a little tough time devouring that. But see, he didn't give it to him cafeteria style. He didn't say, here's what you can have. Take your pick. He said, here it is. Take the scroll. Eat the scroll. He was telling him to devour the word of God. The word of God is all we need. It is powerful and it is effective, the Bible says. See, the Bible is not finger food. We can't pick and choose what we want. We must devour it, consume it, fill our stomach with it. His word needs to be digested and consumed. Don't just nibble or pick at it. You must scarf it up, pig out, chow down. Sometimes you've got to chew on its message for a while. That means meditating on it. But some of the... See, sometimes I think what we think we can do is just... We can pick and choose. Well, I like this because he's, he's speaking about love right here here and i like that part see the question is today is do we delay or do we obey see delay is still disobedience the command came forth to eat ezekiel what i put before you eat i wonder what through his mind this doesn't look that tasty Just like obedience, it doesn't look like the fun route. Moses, the Bible says in Hebrews that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the sins of pleasure for a season. See, he wasn't talking about just a a head knowledge of the word of God. He was talking about it getting inside our heart. He wasn't talking about an intellectual. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are a ton of intellectual Bible studies that go on all over the place, but have never felt and touched the heart of God. See 1st Timothy 4:15 says meditate on these things give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all See when you devour the word of God something happens on the outside after it's already taken root on the inside Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of God, Christ, richly dwell. There is a, The Greek is in a present imperative. It is making this, content, this continual command for us to, to let the word of God continually, richly dwell in you. Within you, with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing with one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So see, the word of God cannot be this... Picking and choosing, it is a devouring and ingesting. What was written on this scroll, scroll? What did it look like? This is another thing that could surprise me. Then I looked and I saw a hand stretch out to me, and it was a scroll which would unroll before me, and on both sides of it were written words of lament, mourning, and woe. Now, God, if you're gonna make me eat it, at least make me eat some good stuff. At least let me have some joy and peace and patience. Don't make me eat all this words of lament. There were bad things on this scroll. And not only, normally it would only been written on one side. In this case, it was written on both sides. So God says, I want you to get all of it. Oh, but Lord, I like to pick and choose. I want words of life. I want words of encouragement. I want words of prosperity. I want words like, you're the head and not the tail. You're a conqueror. You can do all things to Christ that strengthens me. I don't want funeral songs. I don't want words of lament. This message would not be popular in churches today. Tell me how to live abundantly. Give me some self-help Christianity. What is in it for me, God? Today... The church won't tolerate that. See, Hebrews says this. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit. Of both joints and marrow. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This word, able to judge. It's only used one time in the entire New Testament. And it means to discern or able to judge. It it's saying that the word of God becomes my judge. It says that the word, so you can, you can say that you're in, you can say that you love him, you can say that you're saved, but then you have to, you go, you find these words of 1 John, whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. Man, Lord, well, I, 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 I love you. Then we, then we should be living this word of God. Titus 3.10 says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. But this is not the, the gospel that I heard about. It's got that smiley face where it says, Jesus loves me. That's the one I want to hear about. See, we want to interpret the, the scripture in light of our experience. See, what happens in this case is this. We go, well, the Bible says this, but, you know, Greg, I've done that. So I really, you know, it's got to, it can't be that bad. See, we don't interpret Scripture in the light of experience. We interpret our experience in the light of Scripture. That changes the whole dynamic, doesn't it? What What happens to me now has to line up with the Word of God. If it doesn't, then all I'm doing is fooling myself. By picking and choosing, we limit the power of the word of God. It has life. But if we put ourselves over the word of God, what we actually do is we put ourselves on the throne. And then we diminish the power of the word of God. Matthew 6.14 says this. How do you receive forgiveness? For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. He gives us the criteria. He even goes on to say the next verse he says, if you don't forgive them, guess what? I can't forgive you. Greg, it sounds like you're judging me. See, I the problem is is I don't have to judge you. The word of God does that for me. Because you see, Jesus even said this in John 12:48. He says, "He who rejects me and does not receive my words or sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day." Have you ever heard that, that this, this is what you're going to be judged by? This, when we stand before God, this is, what's, this is how we're going to be judged by the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and active. So if I say I'm in, but I'm not following after what he's telling me to do, then am I truly in or am I just saying it? I want you to think about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but there's a story there where the church was actually uh, embracing this man in sexual immorality. And the church was carrying on these love feasts, the Corinthian church was, because all in the name of brotherly love. We want to be loving. And in the midst of it, Paul comes and rebukes them. He says, Listen, and you know what? He doesn't rebuke the guy in sin. You know who he rebukes? The church. He says, I'm, I'm rebuking you because you've allowed this to go on in your midst. Matthew eleven seventeen 17 says, We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. mourn. Mourning for those who lost, are lost. Agonizing over sin. Fasting for those that are in bondage is all a part of what God is calling us to. So let's go back to ezekiel just for a minute what do you think this this word had to taste like especially since it was full of mourning and and all these things these funeral songs that he was being given so in, in 3 3 ezekiel 3 3 says so i ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey god's word because of its truth tastes sweet Well, Greg, I don't know if I've heard that before. Let's look at Psalms chapter 19, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, much more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of a honeycomb. See, this word cannot be just mere intellectual knowledge. It must become a part of you. You are what you eat. consume it devour it digest it in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god our devouring it must include christ when we eat the word we're doing exactly what john talked about in 655 he says for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and, and, and i in him as the living father sent me and i live because of the father so he eat so he who eats me he will also live because of me now they thought he was talking about cannibalism and it got them all upset it got the the pharisees and all the religious people very upset but what he was telling us is get in this word it can't be something i do once a week it can't be something and i'm not trying to give you a guy that says it has to be this but what i'm saying is it has to be a part of your regular diet. See, the words of the Lord are pure words. The words of the Lord wash us. The words of the Lord are reliable. The words of the Lord are full and powerful. They do not return void, but they accomplish every goal that they were set forth to do. The words of the Lord are eternal and everlasting. The words of the Lord are good for instruction and correction. The words of the Lord are sweet to the taste. The words of the Lord build faith, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The words of the Lord are life. Okay, Greg, well... That's all that Old Testament stuff. What does it say in the New Testament about that? Revelations chapter 10. Sorry, guys, you were supposed to be there with me. <laughs> then the voice that I had heard from heaven, this is John speaking, spoke to me once more, go and take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went, and the, and, so I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll and he said, take it and eat it Now, He gets a little scroll. I don't think Ezekiel's was so small. Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Job says it like this. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. In the midst of his affliction, torment, and trial and sickness. I want you this morning to understand that I have come to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. See, the messenger of God must fill his heart and mind with the truths of scripture. Only as he is faithful to apply the word of God to his own life can he honestly give its nourishing encouragement and exhortation to help others. As believers, we must too digest the truths of the Bible and allow the Spirit of God to make them a part of our lives. Then filled with God's Word, we can speak effectively to others. Before we can serve, we must have the bread of life in our bellies. Ezekiel in verse 2, 8, it says, open your mouth and speak. He commanded him to open his mouth and eat what he had given him. Really, the only thing This is my prayer is that as I come in here on Sunday morning, I had a pastor talking to me about it this week. He was telling me about some canned sermons I could, I could give. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm telling you guys, it, it is too hard. It is too much work. It is, it is too much enduring for it to be for any other purpose than the Holy Spirit directing and guiding my lips. I will not, I refuse to go on the internet and grab a sermon and give it to you. If I don't have the word of the Lord in my mouth, then I will not speak. Some of you guys have gone to Ignite, you know what I'm talking about. Because you know that there are times when I've got up there and I said, you know what, I don't have a message tonight. We're going to worship I am not going to just give you a message that just something out of the Bible that feels and and sounds good. It has to be the word of the Lord for right now, for this moment, for what we're going through, what God has for us. That's what makes it alive. It is the spirit of God that breathes life into that word of God that makes it real to us. That's what we need in our lives. Jeremiah 29, 23 says... Is not my word like fire declares the Lord and like a hammer which shatters rock and it is reliable. Second Timothy 316 says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. I want the truths of God's word to fill you up. I want it to be sweet in your mouth. I want you to hunger after it. I want you to understand it is not finger food. It is something for you to devour, to consume, to eat up regularly. It must be a part of our daily diet. It must be a part of our daily bread. We can say, we can say the Lord's Prayer all we want, but if we aren't forgiving people, then really it's meaningless. If we're not devouring the Word of God, it means nothing. The word of the Lord is balanced and will never let you get too fat. It is a healthy diet. A healthy diet of the Lord, word of God will keep you exactly, physically, spiritually fit where you need to be. And I want it to this morning. I want the word of God to get past your head and into your heart. Past your, your mind and get into your, your soul and your spirit. I was speaking to a man the other day. And I told him I said. I felt like I was saved when I was six years old. I went through my life. Good Christian boy. My wife always laughs because she has done all these bad things. And she's like you were always this little saint. But the truth of the matter is. You can go through all those things all your life. But unless you've, like I said last week, it's not about a cause. It's about a collision with Christ. We need to have a place where we collide with him. Where all of a sudden, everything maybe we have thought and we thought was right. And we were doing all these things, going through these motions. Where we collide with that. And the word of God reveals and says, listen. And I had that encounter some time back. Listening to a Francis Chan and David Platt. Some of these guys who... Speak the word of God. Don't just tell us what our, tick, our ears want to hear. And I remember it stirred something in me. It was probably about 15 years ago. And I remember from that moment on, I could not be the same anymore. It had to be all. You know, some of you guys, I know you're looking at me like, man, Greg, you're like a, a wild horse, biting on the bit, always ready to go, aren't you? Yes, because you know what? I've only got 70 or maybe 80 years at best. And that means I've only got 20 or 30 left to do all I can for the kingdom of God. For all the time that I've wasted. I have to run this race. He's calling us today. I was telling this man about that. I said, "Man, I'm Greg." I said, "I just feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me into a place of where I got to just pursue and pursue." And I did, I don't even know before that if I was truly saved until this encounter with God. And so he, we left that meeting, and he went away, and he he talked to another guy, and he said, "Greg said I'm not saved." I'm going to tell you this morning: if me telling you you're not saved is offensive then do something about it. Okay? If I tell you this morning that, you know what, you're living a life and you have a critical spirit, or you're, you're walking in unforgiveness, or you have these things going on in your life, and you do nothing about it, there's nobody to blame but you. See, Ezekiel, he's, he goes on to say, the Lord told him, he says, listen, you speak what I tell you to speak. You do not worry about anything else. Don't worry about what they say to you. He says, you speak, because when it's all said and done, he says, they will know that there's a prophet among them. He says, you make your head like flint. You make it. I've said that before, and I, it's been catching on. A friend of mine told me this week, goes, Greg, I see that flint. Just continually piercing darkness. Make your, faith, make your head like flint. I will, not, I will not be encountered into this world. You know, I, I, I want to chase him so much. My, I pursue him. That's my goal in life. One thing. The audience of one. I don't really, honestly, I'm I'm saying this. I don't really care what you guys think about me. I have one purpose. You can throw me out. You can do whatever you want. But I've got one eye on the prize. And this doesn't matter. This is going to pass away. Now, with that, yes, I do care about what people think. And yes, I get offended and it hurts me. Okay, yes. I like to talk tough like that. This morning, let's all stand.
1: Let now you're. Soar in your heart As you offered up your life. Let now the lost Be welcomed home By the saved and redeemed Those adopted as your own And now our hearts burn with a flame of fire, can shoot me for your son's holy name. And with the heavens we declare, you are our King. You carry this, the heavy. was lost now
0: Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray, God, as we leave this house, Lord, that your word that endures forever, God, would pierce our hearts past our head, past our intellect, past our minds, God, and get into the, the depths of our soul. God, let it breathe life within us. I pray this morning that those that don't have a hunger, God, I pray for a hunger over their their bodies right now, over their spirits, that they would begin to consume and desire the word of God. Lord, that as they miss even a moment, God, that it would just be like they had missed breakfast. God, that we would desire you, pursue you with all of our heart. We thank you, Lord. In your name, amen.